Central family, it is so good to be able to worship together and to just pause. I just want to encourage you in this season, keep showing up. Keep showing up in our locations. Keep showing up online. Uh, just keep showing up and allowing God to move and work in your heart and in your life. In all the conversations I'm having with people right now, so much of it centers around just, um, I think, mental health and the mental health struggle right now. We need each other. We need the church. We need God. We are going to get through this. God is going to see us through it. He's going to do what only he can do, but we've got to keep showing up to experience his presence together and experience his power together. So I'm proud of you for being here this weekend and want to encourage you to keep doing it in your life. And I'm here this weekend as well. However, I'm thrilled that uh, Pastor Nick is going to be teaching and bringing an incredible message. Uh, Pastor Nick has uh, been a part of the Central family on our staff team for well over a decade, is an incredible leader, serves as our Henderson location pastor, uh, but is just an amazing, uh, not only person of faith, but father and family person. And uh, everybody knows Pastor Nick Love, everybody who knows him loves him. So I cannot wait for you to hear him. If you've never heard him, you're going to be blown away because he's super gifted as a teacher. So let's give a huge, warm, central welcome to Pastor Nick Bodine. Well, thank you, Pastor Judd. Incredibly kind words. And I want to give a couple shout outs real quick to everyone watching online. If we're in your home, if we're on your mobile device, if we're in your vehicle, just so thankful that you're online with us. To those in live locations, I want to give a shout out to you. All of our locations are now open and live. So everyone watching online. We wanna invite you back to church if you live in a location that we have live locations. We have safe environments and we wanna see your face again. Also wanna give a shout out to those watching in prison facilities in our partnership with God Behind Bars. So thankful that you're here with us. But no matter where we're at, no matter where we're at in the world, we can experience God together, we can grow to God together, because just like Pastor Joe was talking about, we are better together. And I also wanna take a moment just to honor our leadership here at Central. You know, it has been an incredibly hard seven months for a lot of us, and it would be at no surprise that during a really hard season, you would just see some of the best leadership just really rise to the top. And that's what we have here at Central with Pastor Judd and Pastor Mike. They've brought weekly encouragement to us, uh, through messages of hope. They kept us focused on the right things, but not just what we've gotten inside these walls, but also the impact we've been able to have outside these walls, the different communities that Central is in, bringing food to people, bringing hope, bringing care. All of that is possible because these two men stepped up. So let's give it up really big for Pastor Mike and Pastor Judd and them just leading the way. Well, it has been a crazy, wild roller coaster 2020, has it not? And I can remember at the start of summer of 2020, we decided that we were going to give our kids a new playground. We were going to give them this new playground because this old playground we had was this old, rotten, ugly, weathered playground that was really starting to wear down. It was starting to become dangerous. I can remember when this playground was new. It was fun. It was exciting for them. It brought a lot of great memories to our kids, but it it just wasn't that playground anymore. They kind of got old with it, and it really started to get old, dangerous. It needed to go. So we started on this new playground. I don't know if you've ever built a new playground, but it is hundreds of pages of instructions. It makes IKEA furniture instruction booklets 
Well, I was gonna say it makes it look like child's play, but truly it's probably just as bad as Ikea instruction booklets. It's a project. It's frustrating. It's a lot of time. And these playgrounds, new playgrounds, take two people to build. And not just because it takes two people, but I recruited my buddy Kyle because he's just more handy than I am. He's a handyman. He's good with these kind of projects. So I recruit my buddy to help me, and we gotta get this old playground out of the way, and we gotta get this new playground in. Well, Kyle and I have two different approaches as it comes to these projects. I am just a go-getter. I'm ready to start. I get momentum from just making things happen. I don't need the perfect plan. I don't need a tool check. Like, let's just go. We'll figure it out as we're going. And you know that old Abraham Lincoln quote, give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. That is not me. I will just swing a dull ax blade if it means I get to go, go get going. Kyle, on the other hand, he is an ax sharpener. He is a planner. He likes the perfect plan. He likes the perfect uh, tool check. Uh, what's the schedule here? Where's all this old wood gonna go? Is the ground perfectly level? He thinks through everything. Is anyone more like Kyle in the room? You're, you work smarter not harder, the plan, yeah, you get it. You save time, you save resources, you save money. That's just not me. I respect it, but it's so slow. So Kyle's inside, he's staring down this perfect plan, and I'm out back staring down this old playground, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna get started, I'm gonna go. So I walk over, I grab my drill, I walk up to the very first screw, and I look at it, and it's in the shape of a star, Has anybody seen these star-shaped screws? Why do they use star-shaped screws? Why doesn't everybody just use your standard flathead or Phillips head? Because that's something I had readily available. Not that star shape, but I'm thinking, surely that X from that Phillips head is still gonna fit into that star and back it out. That's gotta be the case, right? So I stick the drill in there, I try to back that screw out, and nothing happens. So what do I do? More force, more power. It just, the drill needs to be turned up. That's the problem. So I put more force into it. I put more power into it. And all I end up doing is stripping a hole in that screw, which is to say that this screw is now no no longer able to be backed out by any drill bit. It is stuck in there and it's holding up a pivotal piece to this playground. So what I do next, I go to my big box of tools. I've got saws. I can, I can get through this, this playground. Well, I end up ruining three saws because I'm using saw blades that are meant for wood, not for metal, trying to get through these screws. So now I've got three broken saws. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. So I go to the hammer, the heavy-duty hammer. What deconstruction job, what demo job has the hammer not been able to fix? I walk up to the playground, and out of anger, I am just swinging away. I'm mad. Wood shrapnel's flying. There's stuff flying everywhere. I'm starting to get blisters. I'm starting to get splinters. I'm starting to get tired. I'm frustrated. And the top of this playground is starting to get wobbly. It's a high playground. And the way my day is already going, it's most likely going to fall on top of me, injure me. So now, mind you, Kyle is inside the whole time. He's working on the perfect plan. You can imagine his dismay when he walks out back, sees wood shrapnel flying, sees stripped out screws, sees saws laying on the ground that are broken, sees this playground getting ready to fall on his tired, worn-out friend. So Kyle just yells out, Nick, what are you doing? I look at Kyle and I say, I don't know, man. This is going to take forever. This just isn't working. And Kyle, without a word, walks over to this tiny little tool bag. He reaches in, grabs out some drill bits, pulls out one in the shape of a 
of a star, walks over to my drill, switches the drill bit out, walks up to an untouched screw, and about one second flat backs out that first screw. Kyle, in one second, made way more progress than I did in 20 minutes, blistered, tired, splintered, worn out. He's already making more progress than I did in 20 minutes. You see, I just needed the right tool. And relationships in our lives, they can look a lot like this story. And what I mean is, they start out brand new, they start out exciting, they start out fun. But over time, they can get stale, we can get used to the person. And what was fun in the beginning, it starts to become tired. And somewhere, the relationship, it can just get sour or rotten. And I'm not just talking about a marriage relationship or a dating relationship. This can apply to any relationship in our lives. It can apply to a friendship, a roommate, a mom, a dad, a kid, a sibling. At some point, the relationships in our lives can start to experience tension. They can start to get unhealthy and they need fixing. Some of you have a specific relationship that is coming to your mind right now. Don't look left and right. If you're at home, don't look over. Just keep focused on me. You have a relationship that's coming to mind, a relationship that can use a transformation. But I want you to know, to experience any real transformation, we first need to deconstruct anything that is blocking us from a healthy relationship. And whether we know it or not, we can have this old, ugly, rotten, wooden wall that's blocking us from the other person in the relationship. This wall is causing us to not see the person clearly anymore. It's causing us to not hear the person correctly. It's, it's causing them not to be able to understand us. And we start to say things like, I don't know, they're just not the same person they were when I met them. They're not the same friend from when we first, when we were younger. They're not the roommate I moved in with. Or how about this one? They're just not the person that I married. They don't hear me anymore. They don't see me anymore. And this wall, this ugly wall is blocking us from that relationship. And how did this wall get here? We never intended this wall to sit in the middle of our relationship. And that's true. This wall didn't just appear over time. This wall was built slowly, very slowly, board by board. And that's why we didn't even see it coming. It was the little annoyances. I can't stand the way she chews that gum. It was the little grievances. He got four nights out with the guys this last month. I didn't get one girl's night. It's the little offenses. I worked so hard on that dinner and not one thank you. In fact, they acted like they just didn't even enjoy it. I have an ungrateful family. Or it's the silly little things. Mom, you don't have to call me 20 times. I'm an adult now. You don't need to know every detail of my life, mom. Little annoyance, little grievance, little offense, silly things build this old, ugly wall over time and it separates us from that other person. It was never intended to be there. So today we're gonna look at how to transform our relationships by deconstructing that wall that's hurting them. Or better yet, we're gonna make sure that wall never gets constructed in the first place. And we're in a series where we're unpacking 1 Corinthians 13 and what the Bible has to say about love. And this is gonna give us some tools, if you will, some concepts on how we can deconstruct this wall in our life, how we can transform our relationships. So when we get to the red words, make sure to say them out loud with me. That's what we do here at Central. First verse, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. 
It does not demand its own way. This is important because I think we can all admit that our way is not God's way. Our way is not God's way. And to really help that stick in, this is important because I can't even move on until we really understand that. So I'm gonna have you say this out loud with me, whether you're in a room, you're online, just say this out loud, repeat after me. My way is not God's way. Let's try that one more time. I don't feel like I set you up well. Let's just really declare it. My way is not God's way. And more often than not, relationships, they need fixing Walls need to come down. We wanna transform the relationship to that fun, loving, fruitful relationship it used to be, and when this happens, we tend to do things our way. We become the Nick from the story I just described. We're impatient, we don't have a plan. We definitely do not use the right tools. We say things like, I'll try more force, I'll use more energy, I'll make them see it my way. Or we get frustrated, we get prideful. It's not me that needs the fixing, it's them. So we grab the tool we think is best. We pick up that sledgehammer and say, I don't know how this wall got here, but I'm taking it down. And before we know it, there's shrapnel, there's blisters, there's splinters. We're tired, we're exhausted, and there's a chance that both people are gonna get hurt, all because we wanted to use quick fix or short-term solutions. And here's the deal. Short-term solutions, they only create short-term results. Solutions that last They come from an everlasting love. Short-term solutions like force, anger, manipulation, they might fix things in the short term, but that relationship is on track to be short-term. If we want our relationships to last, we need to model an everlasting love, God's love. But some of us, instead, we go to God and say, God, I know that we're supposed to love this person, but I don't know. I just can't love them anymore. This just isn't working anymore. I want you to know God's looking at you, he's looking at me, he's looking at us, and he walks over to a tiny but powerful tool bag and says, you just need the right tool. So let's look at the right tools today, God's tools that will transform our relationships, and here's the first tool. We need to practice patience. Practice patience. I want you to notice how 1 Corinthians 13 starts. It starts with, love is patient. Love is patient. That's tough right there, isn't it? I mean, three words in and we can already stop. Does anybody struggle with patience? Yes, I definitely struggle with patience. My whole mess from that playground, it started because of a lack of patience. In fact, never has my lack of patience been more exposed than over the last seven months. I can remember when this uh, quarantine started, when the quarantine started back in March, uh, we had a low battery in one of our smoke alarms and it started doing that really ear-piercing, ugly, I can't even get my voice high enough to just hit the level that that pierces the ears. But it started making that beep sound. And I'm thinking, oh no, we cannot have that. Not when we're trapped here. We gotta, I gotta get that battery fixed. I walk down to our battery drawer. No nine volt batteries. Where do these nine volt batteries go? I buy these things in bulk for this very reason. Where are they at? I'm thinking, no big deal. I'm gonna go to Amazon Prime now, meaning now I can have this in the next hour, two hours. The batteries will be at my door. We're all good. So I go to check out in the app. I go to the cart. No available delivery times today. What? You've got to be kidding me. Are you mean everybody's using this because everybody's trapped at home and everybody needs things to their doors? It's not about me right now. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. Boop! That smoke alarm continues to go off. 
It's making me angry. So I go over to the regular old slow Amazon Prime uh, app, you know, that early 2000s, and we'll have it to you in a day or two, super slow. I'm thinking, I'll deal for a day or two. I go to check out there, four to five days to get to my front door. It is dry, boop, over. I'm mad, I'm angry. I'm impatient and never has my impatience been more exposed than during this pandemic. But whenever the Bible talks about impatience, it's not so much talking about people who lack time. It's more so talking about those who lack compassion for each other's faults. It's examples like you worked really hard on that dinner. You worked hard and no one thanks you for it and and you just think I have an ungrateful family or you cleaned that house and you came home and no one thanks you for it. In fact, they made a mess again, and you're thinking, ah, my family just doesn't respect me, and you put another board in that wall. Or as examples like you have a messy apartment, and the roommate uh, conveniently has to work or conveniently has to study at that hour. They can't help you clean the mess that you didn't even make. It was them. And you're thinking, I have such a uh, lazy roommate, such a messy and lazy roommate. Or how about this one? She tells you she's gonna be ready in 20 minutes. What she really means is you're gonna be fortunate if you're only 20 minutes late. And she's, you're thinking, she doesn't care about me and my needs and me wanting to be on time. She only cares about herself and we reinforce the wall when we do not make room in our heart for those relationships in our lives and their faults, we put another board in that, within that wall. So let's look at what the Bible tells us about patience. And Paul, the same guy that gave us our teaching in 1 Corinthians 13 on love, he says in Ephesians 4.2, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Patience is basically making allowance, or in other words, giving room for other people messing with your life. When we're filled with God's love, when we love like he loves, we make room in our heart for other people's faults. This is important because some of you in this room, you feel like you're with the wrong spouse or you're in the wrong family or you have the wrong roommate, all because they have faults and it's causing problems. But I want you to know, if you've ever felt like this, you're not necessarily with the wrong person. You're just with a person. Everybody has faults. Everybody has issues. Every relationship goes through these kinds of strains. And we do a pretty good job covering them up when we're dating or in the early stages of any relationship, but eventually everything rises to the top. And that's why we need God's love. His love is patient. There is room in his heart for all of our faults. I want you to think through all the stuff you've put God through and he's still with you and he's still for you. That is a strong love. And as you let his love, as you let that flow into you, it begins to enlarge your heart to make room for other people's faults. And I'm not talking about becoming a martyr or a person that everyone walks all over. No, what I'm not saying is just be a weak person that doesn't stand up for themselves. I'm actually not talking about weakness at all. I'm talking about the opposite, strength. Patience comes from strength. And he wants to grow patience in our heart. We need to practice patience. That saying, practice makes perfect, I'm not one that's necessarily bought into that. I don't believe that. Practice won't make perfect, but practice will make better. None of us will be perfect at being patient all the time. We're human, but with God's love living in us and flowing through us, we can have the strength to practice and we will get better with our patience. So let's practice our patience. Let's make room for others' faults. And then the second tool we need to transform our lives is to cultivate 
kindness. Let's go back to that verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. It says, love is patient and kind, and kind. Cultivate kindness. There's a social media account. It's called the Spread Love Movement. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's people posting about random acts of kindness they witness. I absolutely love going on and reading these stories. And here was one of my favorites. This is one that really stood out to me. It's from a, a granddaughter posting about her granddad. And what she says on her post is, my granddad left an old bucket of balls at the batting cages we used to go to with this note on them. I'm not crying, you're crying, is what she said. And here's the note from the granddad dad free hope someone can use some of these baseballs in the batting cages I found them cleaning out my garage I pitched them to my son and grandson for countless rounds my son is now 46 years old and my grandson is 23 years old I am 72 and what I wouldn't give to pitch a couple of buckets to them they have both moved away if you are a father cherish these times you won't believe how quickly they will be gone God bless, and here's the best part, the P.S. Give them a hug and tell them you love them every chance you get. That's an amazing story. And random acts of kindness, they're inspiring. I love reading about them because it shows the best of humanity. But being kind to a complete stranger is almost easier than being kind to someone else in our lives that we love, isn't it? I mean, it's almost easier. You'll notice a server that has too many tables, that's having a really bad day, that's working hard, and you'll reward them with a generous tip. But then we get home and we see our spouse or our kids also having a really hard day, and we'll just try to ignore them. We'll try not to pull ourselves into that. We don't wanna know what that is or what's going on. Or how about this one? We all love pay it forward lines at Starbucks where you pay for the car behind you, but how often do we just give gifts at home for no reason, just because we felt like being kind? Now, don't get me wrong, random acts of kindness are great, but the best acts of kindness are not so random and are offered to people you know. But what do we do? Instead, when it comes to kindness, we approach our relationships that everything has to be transactional or has to be fair. I didn't get recognition for being a hard worker, so I'm not gonna recognize the hard worker that they are. Or I didn't get a clean house to come to home to, so I'm not gonna help them with that project they're working on. Or I didn't get to watch The Bachelor last night, so I'm not gonna give him the time to play Xbox tonight on the TV. And we reinforce another board on that wall because we're not kind. I want you to hear me. When it comes to God's love and transforming our relationships, receiving kindness is not a prerequisite for being kind. And here's how I know. Paul puts it in Romans 5.8. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While, not if we got our stuff together, not when we were better, while we were still sinners. God isn't kind to us because we deserve it. God isn't kind because it's fair. In fact, it's the opposite. If there was ever a reason to not be kind back, God had it with our brokenness as humans, our sin. But he is kind to us because he loves us. He is love, and that's what his love does. It doesn't wait for someone to be worthy of kindness. It's kind no matter what. It stands out. It's bigger than fair. So here's some way we can be kind in our relationships. If your spouse works hard or your family member works hard, if your friend works hard, thank them for it. Even if you work hard too, just thank them for it. Or do a not-so-random act of kindness for someone you know. Not out of guilt or obligation or after they do something for you, but in love. 
because that's how God loves you. Outdo one another in kindness. Or here's a good one. Use kind words in your home. For some of us, that is the very best start. Don't we encounter enough mean-spirited, nasty comments outside of our home? I want you to imagine what would happen if God's love caused kind words to flow inside your home. We have a sign in our house that has a quote from our friend, Julie Richard, who has a ministry called Fearless Mom. In fact, you can go to fearlessmom.com if you're a parent. She's just got a lot of great parent teachings. But this sign is not just a quote. It's nine words that are really a goal for our home. It says, I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. Imagine if that's how you felt about your home, how your spouse felt about your home, how your kids felt about your home. Gosh, I am just so glad I'm home. I know that I'm safe here, and I really, really like it here. That all starts with kind words in the home. Here's what being kind in your relationships, it comes down to. You do things for others, not because of who they are or what they've done for you, but because of who you are and what God has already done for you. Because of who you are and what God has already done for you. The third tool the Bible gives us to transform our relationships is we need to hone our humility. Let's pull that slide up one more time. 1 Corinthians 13, five. It says, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It's not proud or rude. Social media has really become the breeding ground for showing your best and hiding the rest, hasn't it? I mean, it's where people have become professionals at the humble brag. And if you don't know what the humble brag is, the humble brag is basically where you act like you have some sort of problem, you have some sort of hang up, but really you're just trying to brag about something. You can search the hashtag humble brag and a lot of great ones come up. Um, But these were some of my favorites right here. This one, I just stepped on gum. Who spits gum on a red carpet? It's that tough red carpet life. Or how about this one right here? Will Twitter be available for me in Paris, Milan, or the Maldives? I hope so, because it won't be in Hong Kong or Singapore. (laughs) Or this last one. Man, this is so unfair. Why did the Lambo dealership not tell me I'd get pulled over at least once a week in this car? Time for a Corolla, laugh out loud. So unfair. We as human beings, we sort of come into this world just showing no humility, don't we? I mean, every parent of a newborn knows this that very first night. They're crying when they can't sleep. They're crying when they want milk. They're crying when they're just not held the right way. You have to face them outward, put their knees up, have them sitting at a 91 degree angle, whatever it is, that's how they like it. It's all about them, their needs, their unmet expectations. It's all about them. And as we start to mature, as we start to get older, we lose a little bit of this selfishness, but not all of it. In fact, we just get better at hiding that it's all about us. And the truth is we are selfish human beings in our nature. And when it's not about us, what do we do? We take offense. I got home and she wants me to take her to that burger restaurant. Doesn't she know I had a burger for lunch? How dare she make me have a burger twice in one day? It's ridiculous. Or can you believe who they're voting for? All I've heard about is who they're voting for. I don't know if I can be friends with them anymore. You think you know a person and that's who they're voting for? They don't even ask me who I'm voting for. They don't ask me for my viewpoint. Or how how come they never answer my calls or texts? Why do they even have a phone at all if they're not gonna answer my calls or texts? It's all about me. Answer your phone. 
And we tend to do that. We make it all about ourselves. We think that the world revolves around us and expects our needs to take priority. But that is not what love does. When we let God's love fill us, many of these deepest needs, they're already met. We're able to give up our demands and we're able to lose ground because we know we're unconditionally loved and accepted. We start caring more about others than ourselves because we are already well cared for. In fact, Paul describes it this way in Philippians 2, three through four. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Others, three times he says others. When you're in a relationship, you need to drop the celebrity mentality and the humble brags. When it comes to your kids, your spouse, your parents, your family, your roommate, your friends, you need to replace the all about me mentality. And here's how. Serve them and be humble about it. No expectations back, just serve. Or think of them as better than you. Respect their concerns, no matter how silly they seem. Take an interest in them. Treat them like they're all that matters and this will release joy into their life as well as yours. That's what God did for us. Even Jesus said he came to serve and not be served. Honing humility, it's gonna feel like you're giving up all of your rights, but what you're doing is you're letting God's love flow to you and through you. A good way to hone your humility, remember this, never look down on anyone unless you're helping them up. Never look down on anyone unless you're helping them up. Now, when it comes to the relationships in our lives, we build unintentional walls through every little day natural tendencies that exist in our very nature outside of God's love. We bring in patience and we reinforce this wall. We're not kind, we don't use kind words, and we reinforce this wall. We think everything has to be transactional or fair and we reinforce this wall. We make it all about us and show no humility and no regard for the other person and we reinforce this wall. The relationship has a wall and our instinct is let me grab the tool that I know how to fix it. And our tools, they cause destruction, they cause a mess. I want you to remember 1 Corinthians 13, five, love does not demand its own way and our way is not God's way. Our way, it says it's all about me. God's way, it says it's always been all about them. Our way says do for me and I'll do for you. And God's way says I've done for you what you couldn't do for me. Our way says I will love them if they change. And God's way says I will change them through my love for them. Let's not let our way get in God's way. And when we wanna do things our way, when we want our tool to fix it, we walk towards that sledgehammer and we say, I don't know how this wall got here, but just like that old playground, I'm gonna take it down, I'm gonna remove it my way. We start swinging, there's gonna be shrapnel, we're gonna get tired, there's gonna be no progress, we're gonna get worn out, we're gonna get hurt, we're gonna be blistered, and there's a chance that both people are gonna get hurt in the relationship. Here's how I know, the enemy's mission, his mission is destruction. His strategy is this division and his tactics are the little annoyances. They're the little grievances. They're the little hangups. They're the little offenses that just build over time. So when we grab that sledgehammer and we wanna start swinging, God's looking down and he's saying, Nick, 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 no, you don't need that. Just be patient. Yeah, but God, if I, can, if I could just take one swing at this, Nick, no. 
You just need to be kind. All right, God, but if I could just make them see it my way, Nicholas Edward Bodine, I like to think when God's frustrated with me, he uses my middle name. What are you doing with that sledgehammer? Put it down. It's not about you. It's about them. You just need the right tool. Our tool, the best to God's tool, is patience. We make room in our hearts for their faults. God's tool, the best tool, is kindness. Buy your flowers just because it's a Tuesday. Or the best tool, God's tool, is humility. We make it about them. We don't make it about ourselves. And when we use God's tools, not our tools, when we let God's love flow in us and through us, this wall is no longer in the middle of our relationship. He is. He is. Now when we see the other person, we see him through the cross. Now when we're listening to the other person, we're listening to them through the cross. Now when we're speaking to them, we're speaking to them through the cross. God's love is all about laying it down. Our grievances, our hurts, our annoyances, our offenses, we lay them down because he already took them on the cross and he laid it down for us. We show love how love has been shown to us. And God is the source of love. He loves us first because we are recipients or benefactors of this love. We are now, we're given the privilege and the honor of living a life that is defined by this same love that we've received. And every day you and I practice patience. Every day you and I cultivate kindness and every day you and I hone humility. Every day we love hard, even when it's hard. What you and I are doing is we're being an example of an everlasting love that will transform the relationships into, uh, in our lives into ones that will last. And I wanna recognize that some of you in this room, you don't even know this kind of love yet. You haven't received the gift of Jesus and so therefore you have yet to experience the fullness of God's love. And God's love, it can fill that emptiness that you've been feeling and you're desperate for hope. It's a hope that a stimulus check, it's just not gonna bring. It's a hope that a vaccine won't bring. It's a hope that a presidential candidate won't even bring. The hope you're looking for only comes from Jesus. I want you to know this. I want you to know that you are loved that you are so loved by God that he gave his one and only son for you to pay the price for your sins. And when you accept Jesus into your own life, you'll not only get to know this love, but it will transform the relationships around you. It'll transform your life and the relationships around you. And if you're ready to personally accept and experience this kind of love, if you're ready to watch this love change everything, Here's all you have to do. You just have to pray this prayer after me. So if we could bow our heads, if we could close our eyes, if you're ready to name Jesus the leader, savior, forgiver of your life, just pray this prayer after me. Pray, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I know that you died on the cross 
and I know that you rose again. I invite you to come into my heart, into my life. I name you my personal Lord and Savior. I wanna watch your love transform me. I wanna watch your love transform the relationships around me. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, if you just made Jesus the leader and forgiver of your life, if you do just me a big favor and just shoot your hand in the air, if you would get courage and just make eye contact with me and shoot your hand in the air, thank you. It just makes it all the more real to you so that you know it's real. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for these hands. I thank you for showing up in these people's lives and showing them that you do love them and moving them to trust you. I pray for their journey ahead because it will be a fruitful and exciting and fun one, God. So thank you for that. And we lived up today, we lived up this week all in your name. We know you've got us. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, let's give it up for those that made decisions today. If you just made that decision to follow Jesus, we have an incredible resource. It's a guide that's just gonna help you over this next week. You're gonna start to have questions and it all points to the Bible, but it just works so well in partnership with the Bible to give you some easy concepts that you can be doing. Here's how you get that guide. All you have to do is go to central.family and just click the link, I've decided to follow Jesus and you can get that free resource right there. Well, at this time, I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to our location pastors that are gonna walk us through some next steps. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Nick. That message was absolutely incredible and a great way to start week two of our series, Love Never Fails. I am so excited about this series and what's to come for it. But hey, if you raised your hand, if you made that decision today, we wanna say congratulations and let you know it's one of the best decisions you'll ever make. And like he mentioned, we would love to provide you with a guide. It's called our How to Follow Jesus Guide and it's really easy to receive that. All you have to do is visit Central dot family and click the button that says I decided to follow Jesus and we will provide you with that resource today and while you're at central dot family if you would like to get baptized this week if you're in the Vegas area you can click the button there to sign up to be a part of baptism week or maybe you're not near a central location and you'd like to reach out to our team all you have to do is send us an email at baptism at centralonline.tv or you can visit centralonline.tv slash baptism Hey, but guess what? We are live every weekend, and our experience times are Saturday at 5 p.m., Sunday at 8 a.m., 10 and 12 p.m. We're so glad you join us this weekend. As you go through this week, remember to hang on to what Romans 8 says. If God is for us, who, who can, can be, be against, against us? us? Keep showing up.